Irish. Now, we've been talking to Stephen O'Shea of the European Movement, and we're going to talk to another man that we talked to a couple of years ago, and uh, uh, a man that has uh, history, former leader of the Alliance Party in Northern Ireland, then moved down south and was an MEP for Munster for 15 years. Uh, John Cushnan, can you hear us loud and clear? I can hear you loud and clear, Tom. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to talk to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. And uh, good I morning, suppose, John. Yeah, Patricia Ann Moore is with me here. Good morning, as well. Patricia. Yeah, and what prompted us, I suppose, after the assembly elections in Northern Ireland there a couple of weeks ago, uh, you had a letter in the Irish Times that we both happened to see. And said, mm, there's a man we must talk to again, you know. So <laughs> I wonder where do we start? Let's start with the, the the assembly elections, I suppose, and the I suppose the rise of. Uh, the Alliance Party? Well, uh, there was two remarkable features of this particular Assembly election. Obviously, the fact that uh, Sinn Féin are now the the largest party in Northern Ireland, uh, as well as been the largest party here, uh, but also, uh, on a more positive note, uh, you're not surprised that I would prefer that they weren't (laughs) the largest party, Uh uh, but on a more positive note was the uh, emergence of a much stronger centre. And I think that is uh, an indicator that maybe there will be a more a bit more political pressure in the future from for a moderate voice to be heard in a stronger way in Northern Ireland. Yeah, and I don't think um, I suppose we were all afraid of the two extremes. Was it on the the nationalists on one side, Sinn Fein, and the unionists on the, on the other side? That uh, where things begin to get polarized. So it's, it's to see the centre ground rising again is good, really, isn't it? Uh, I think uh, I think it is, and I think it opens possibilities. As you know, I'm a great supporter of the Good Friday Agreement, but yeah. I don't ignore its weaknesses. Uh, it has failed to deliver stable, devolved government on a, a power-sharing basis, and I think the reason for that uh, was not the Good Friday Agreement itself, but the amendment of it by the St. Andrews Agreement, which said that future administrations would be uh, led uh, by a joint jointly by the leader of the largest nationalist party and the largest unionist party. And, of course, that initially started off with Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness was, was repeated thereafter. And since then, uh, there, the devolved governments in Stormont have collapsed on, uh, according to different experts, some ter- some some s- s- between six and nine times. And I think out of this election, we have got to r- look at ways of creating a partial administration which, was, which will be stable and which will be more like the ne- 1974 partial executive, executive which emerged from Sunningdale, rather than this carve-up of power between the two uh, sectarian extremes, which has polarised opinion in Northern Ireland and has not, quite frankly, contributed to political stability. Yeah. I wonder how that would happen, though, John, because um, at the moment there doesn't seem to be an instrument for changing the way that that happens. You, you recently uh, gave an address, I think, to um, a Cambridge seminar on the future of the island of Ireland, and you made some suggestions there about how the agreement could be revised to enable uh, a different way of doing things, let's say. Would you tell us something about that? Very definitely. We should remember that the uh, the fact that the 
assembly isn't functioning now is because the DUP have used its veto <laughs> over the protocol. Yes. But we shouldn't forget that prior to that, Sinn Féin paralysed uh, devolution in Stormont because of their concerns that uh, sufficient progress was not been made uh, under the Irish Language Act. And, and the current system gives a veto to the two largest parties on either side of the sectarian divide. I believe we should move to a different form of government. And I think if this current impasse is going to continue, I think the British and Irish governments should negotiate with the non-political parties. And one particular proposal I made in, the, in, 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 in my speech to Cambridge University is that the method of forming a devolved government should be uh, that a coalition of parties, which genuinely represents both communities in Northern Ireland, it could be a number of different formula, should seek a mandate from the Assembly. And provided they receive a qualified majority vote, and I would uh, put that figure at uh, over two-thirds, maybe even as high as 70%, if they, if, if they, if those coalition of parties uh, seek a mandate to form a government, then that should be the government. And that would be, in my view, a better way of ensuring stable government in the future. Uh, but we obviously must get beyond the current impasse because we don't even have a mm. speaker at the moment. Mm -hmm. And unless there's, a, there's, there's some way of finding an agreement over the next 24 weeks, we could be in a situation where we're facing another assembly election. And we will continue to have crisis to crisis, uh, crisis reading from, we continue to be reading from crisis to crisis. And I think we have to put a stop to that by getting the institutional structures correct. And would it be a matter of somebody taking, for instance, some sort of constitutional challenge to the existing structures? Would that be a possibility? Because it seems that in at the moment, people in Northern Ireland themselves have absolutely no means of progressing this. It's in the hands of both governments, let's say, external to Northern Ireland, rather than Northern Ireland people themselves being able to move out of the impasse. Well, the problem is if you start, I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure what the legal basis for, for, for creating it would be, but even if it were there, it would take a long time to achieve. Mm. We need much more immediate action. We need to get that government up and running. And that's clearly reflected in the views that I read in Northern Ireland newspapers from, from the wider community. So uh, we need to do it sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. And remember, the British and Irish governments are the guarantors of this. And I think they should initiate talks with the political parties. And if they, in their discussions, can get cross-community agreement to establish the sort of government that I'm talking about, then I think they should set it up. Uh, they wouldn't be excluding anybody from part of that government. It would be uh, the obstructionists on either side of, of, of the political di divide uh, that would be responsible for it. But I think they did it before. Uh, and they should do it again. They got the 1998 Good Friday Agreement and the structures that emerged from that. It's a pity they didn't hold on to those structures. They were so anxious to get the DUP and Sinn Féin into the tent. That's why the St Andrews Agreement happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but in my view, and I said so, uh, as you probably read in that speech, Patricia, I said so when I was a guest speaker at the Alliance Party Conference at that time, that that, that was a mistake. Even though it was well-intentioned by, by Bertie Ahern and Tony Blair, that it would create instability and 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 the, the formation of governments would be continually uh, cause, uh, 
be influenced by crisis after crisis. So it's up to the two governments to try and negotiate. The, the parties in Northern Ireland have a mandate. Let the two guarantors of the Good Friday Agreement beat uh, uh, them uh, to negotiate a way forward. But if they don't agree, if all the parties don't agree, but if a substantial majority who would get that qualified majority support in an assembly uh, and, and uh, to form a government, then they should proceed and let those who don't want to be part of it be in opposition. That's the way a lot of democracies work. As long as the formation of the government does meet the critical test of cross-community power-sharing support. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention politicians, definitely some of the ones in England, but I'll refrain from that. But uh, should all of this be left to politicians, or is there a role, let's say, for people in the academic communities to lead it, do you think? No, no not on the formation of, of oh, government. Yeah. We have the Good Friday Agreement. Yes. It's about making the Good Friday Agreement. But where I think the academics have a strong contribution to make is in any preparations for, for a border poll. Ah, uh, yes, a lot of yeah. the talk also arising out of the uh, recent elections is it brings forward, uh, some people, particularly Sinn Féin, would argue that a, a border poll should be should be held. Uh, I think it would be a serious mistake that if such a, a border poll would, would, would be held would were to be held in the near future and i think we should learn the mistakes of the past and and and, and not these first of all i don't believe that Irish unity can be achieved by a 50 percent plus one vote in northern ireland i think it would, there would have to be a significant uh, majority of people in both parts of the ireland uh, supporting it but any debate of uh, within a border poll context, has to be an informed debate. The mistake of the past, two mistakes were made in the past. One, that Northern Ireland was created on the basis of majority rule, and that created the troubles. Yes. Brexit was passed on the basis of majority rule. And the Brexit referendum, which has had so much negative impact on uh, politics in both parts of our island, and also between us and the United Kingdom, was a debate which took place with a total lack of information. People in the UK made that decision uh, uh, without any real information about the consequences, likely consequences of the vote. And I think for, before any border poll would, would, would be uh, held in, 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 in Ireland, initially would happen in Northern Ireland, and if they uh, voted in favour of Irish unity, then the Republic would have to consider how, what they would do, whether they would hold a separate poll, uh, they would need to hold a separate poll in, 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 in this part of Ireland, but that's not required under the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, uh, it would be up to Ireland to decide what to act in. I think it's of critical importance that we know what are the options, you know, whether it will be continuation of the current constitutional status quo and with what amendments could be made to the, that and the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, would it be Irish unity on the basis of, of unit, a unitary structure, a confederal structure, a federal structure? Uh, other important questions the academics could consider. How would any United Ireland uh, be funded? How, how would we, because obviously if Britain left Northern Ireland, there would be a huge impact on on, 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 on a huge huge hole with the funding they provide and it would cost the people in the Republic of Ireland some 11 billion to take up yeah. uh, the, 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 the slack on that particular issue. Uh, and of course there is the also, we'd have to consider uh, what shape and form would a United Ireland take in terms of the structure of the parliament in 
an All Ireland structure? You know, would it be would, would would we take on any of the ideas that that were used in the in the in the Good Friday Agreement and apply them to All Ireland structures? There's a whole lot of issues that 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 need to be addressed. And of course, the the other thing which I think we should also they should also look at is what happens if there's Scottish independence? Is there also a case for looking at other constitutional structures involving Scotland? two parts of Ireland and a European structure. Um, I, I, I think that it's ensuring that, that we don't repeat the same mistake that happened in Brexit, but that when people are asked to vote in a border poll, whenever that may be, and I don't think there's any basis for having a border poll in in, in, in the near future, I think it's some decades away. And of course, I, 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 my view is a very simple one. How can we expect to unite Northern Ireland if we can't, first of all, unite Northern Ireland. I think any decision to hold a border poll on Irish unification would have to be preceded by possibly uh, one or two decades of stable political government on a par-sharing basis in, 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 in Northern Ireland and uh, 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 an acceptance of that as an option by a significant section of the unionist community in Northern Ireland and that any structure that would emerge would also respect the unionist and British identity, which, uh, which, which would be an important part of any future stable All-Ireland arrangement. Well, I think one of the things that's missing um, is, an un is understanding and certainly education on both parts of the island about what the other side, if you like, is thinking, what the other part of the island is thinking. I've often wondered, John, about the possibility of establishing kind of an Erasmus-type programme that would uh, involve you know, students from institutions in both parts of the island uh, spending a period of time you know, in each each area, if you like, so that we could get to know each other better, understand each other's traditions better, and actually understand each other's language better, because so many of those things are slightly different in both parts of the island. And it's it's always struck me in dealing with students under the existing Erasmus programme, people were looking toward Berlin, they were looking toward Boston for, say, summer employment, and almost never looking toward the north to find out more about it. So I think there's a real need for education as well as information between people, as I say, in both parts of the island, north and south. I wonder what, what do you think of that idea? I believe that's a good idea. You as an academic very much appreciate the value of the Erasmus program, our, uh, the value of send, the, the consequences and value of sending our students in both parts of the set, and uh, particularly uh, to to enjoy the European experience. And that that widened their horizons, and, and that yeah. was a positive thing. Mm. But I mean, and I, I think there's it is a good idea to see how we can. Now we we do know that. There are students that that uh, cross the border oh, in, yeah. in mm. t the two different directions, mm. but there's not enough. And the more we can encourage in that, and of course, part of the problem, as you well know, Patricia, from our time in Northern Ireland, uh, the. The pro in the Protestant section of the community, they encourage uh, when the troubles really got bad. They encouraged their kids to go to British universities, yes, and yes, one of the problems that caused that those children who would have provided the more the intelligentsia and the more liberal attitudes in the unionist community, unfortunately, never came back. And I, so that's why I would see merit in what you're saying. Of course, at the core of that sort of 
promotion of understanding and integration is what we do in Northern Ireland itself. Mm. And I was particularly pleased that the Alliance Party succeeded uh, just before the Assembly was dissolved and managed to get an agreement on the establishment uh, of more integrated education uh, experiments in Northern Ireland. Mm. And the more we can do of that, because there's, it's vitally important mm. that, 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 that people learn from, a, children learn from very early in their life that the other person from the other side of the community is exactly the same mm -hmm. as themselves. But I also must also add the caveat that integrate integrated education on its own mm. is not going to open minds. There has to be more integrated housing, uh, more integrated employment, which of course is, is happening anyway. But I think integrated housing is also a critical factor as well as integrated education. Because uh, as we were growing up uh, in Northern Ireland, uh, there had been growing mixed communities when the troubles can, can happen, many people retreated into their own communities and, mm -hmm. and in Belfast, the lagging is a dividing line between Protestant Belfast and Catholic Belfast. Now, I'm not saying all of Belfast is like sure. that, but it, 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 there is a significant geographical division in the main city and in many, many, many parts of Northern Ireland. So more we can ha more integrated education, uh, the more uh, integrated housing we can have. And of course, the more integration in sport. I mean, I know from my own relations, I, 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 have, I have nephews who are playing Gaelic football hurling and rugby and people <laughs> playing for Protestants are also some Protestants are also playing uh, Gaelic and Holland and that's a remarkable change from, from my day and of course one of the most one of the more positive things is the likes of Linda Irvine who uh, is, is a sister-in-law of David Irvine the former leader of the UVS political party uh, is, is, has, has opened an Irish speaking school in East Belfast and she was appointed president of the East Belfast GEA club, which was just formed because Protestant, East Belfast, totally Protestant community. There was no GEA club before. They have one now. They have an Irish lang 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 language school. And Linda Irvine is the president, honorary president of the East Belfast GEA, and also deeply involved in promoting the Irish language. Now, they're yeah. very welcome developments. And the more, more of that, happens then all the better to promote mutual understanding because the more people engage with one another meet one another and share similar experience and the more hopeful it can be and actually that's one of the things isn't it about you know going back to it the the growth of alliance uh, alliances vote that you know people are rejecting the old traditional norms and they're beginning to you know form an identity of their own which is in the center of things and you know, the Alliance always having been a centrist party um, is offering an opportunity, a different way of doing things. Um, so maybe, you know, these informal things that are happening in the community level are really the way forward, much more so than what seems to be the impasse at the political level, if you like. It's, it's really yeah, about I, community. I, you know. I don't agree with that, but the analysis of, of the Alliance Party, I've just listened to it, you know, after the elections, is miss, is not actually correct. Uh -huh. You know, the, 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 the Alliance Party, uh, when it was formed, was formed, uh, was formed by Oliver Napier and Bob Cooper, but yes. the 
first three MPs that left their own traditional parties. Two of them were moderate unionist, and one was a nationalist, uh, Tom Tom Gormley. And the the Alliance Party, uh, the basis of the Alliance Party support was moderate unionist, moderate nationalist, Labour Party, not our Labour Party voters, the Ulster Liberal Party. So it was in its own way uh, an amalgam of moderates across the community uh, who promoted a policy for reconciliation based on a historic comp compromise between both communities that essentially was working within the current constitutional status quo. Uh, and if that was to, if that was to be the basis, which would be an acceptance of that, uh, then it had uh, to, to be based also on partnership between both communities and government and also proper uh, uh, constructive relations between both parts of the island. And and that has got significant endorsement and hopefully more because there would be people in the Alliance Party who... who uh, another thing I should mention, and in, 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 in not only about the three who, who, who were in the early formation of the Alliance Party, the three Westminster MPs, because there was no assemblies at that time. But I, I, I remember then our first batch, batch of councillors. Uh, uh, two of our most prominent councillors, one was the chairman of Oma GAA County Board and another was the chairman of Down GAA County Board. You know, so mm -hmm. that showed to what extent, you know, Alliance was crossing the community as much on the Catholic side as it was on the Protestant side. And those particular points are sometimes forgotten about what did most damage to the Alliance Party was what happened in the 80s. And that was the hunger strike and following that, the mm -hmm. emergence of Sinn Féin and also the what happened in the wake of the Anglo-Irish Agreement. That was a particularly polarised period against the backcloth of increasing violence, increasing murder and destruction. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that resulted in a slippage of support from the Alliance Party. But now, hopefully, what happened in this election is an indication that that's going to change. But let me say this, and this was always my view, the centre is not just the Alliance Party. The centre should be a broad centre which would be involve moderate unionists and moderate nationalists, the UUP, Ulster Unionist Party, and also the, 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 the SDLP. I think a broad coalition of those parties have to be uh, people who offer alternative choices rather than the two political extremes of Sinn Féin and the DUP in their in their respective communities, which those two parties hold major sway at the moment. Well, let's hope that in the next six months that we see progress in that regard. Of course, it's all complicated now by uh, this Northern Ireland protocol and Brexit and everything else, you know, which probably feeds into the extremist um, agenda, does it? It does, but it's only because it's being exploited. By yes. it. In my yeah, view, yeah. The, the reason the protocol and the and the mess of Brexit happened is the responsibility of both the DUP and Sinn Féin. The DUP joined the right-wingers in, 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 in the Conservative Party to support it. If Sinn Féin hadn't been abstaining and went into Westminster, they could have stopped it happening. Uh, there were a number of occasions over the last number of years uh, when, when 
particularly in Theresa May's time, when a couple of amendments were put forward when 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 Theresa May was negotiating for Brexit with with the withdrawal from from the EU, that there was a number of amendments, particularly a number by by Kenneth Clark, the former Chancellor, but there was others as well that were lost by four to seven votes. Yeah. Four to seven votes. Yeah. The ones of Kenneth Clark, uh, in particular, four votes. There were seven. There were seven Sinn Féin MPs had they attended. In the interests of both parts of Ireland, they could have stopped it. And the effect of the votes by Kenneth Clark and so the votes of others would have meant that although there would have been British withdrawal from the EU, Britain would have remained within both uh, the, 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 the single market and, and um, other aspects of the European Union. And, of course, we wouldn't have had the mess of Brexit. Yeah. And, 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 but Britain would have achieved withdrawal, but at the same time, what would have been left in its wake were, were important structures, which would have meant that the whole issue of discussing sea borders, land borders, would never have uh, needed to take place. Absolutely. You know. Well, you started by mentioning the Good Friday Agreement, and of course that brought um, a huge degree of peace to this island. And let's hope that that level of peace will continue, and let's hope that the politicians will together, get their act together, and that we have a peaceful future in the short term and the, the long term. You know, so I totally agree. Let's yeah. revisit the Good Friday Agreement. Not It's been the most important contribution to peace yes. in Northern Ireland, but let's recognise that it needs to be reviewed and amendments need to take place. Uh, and that means keeping the Good Friday Agreement, but updating it in, in relation to the negative experience that have happened and it can still be the the blueprint for peace but not only in our own island but but for, for all conflict problems throughout the world as it has been but it, uh, a, a reviewed and revised good friday agreement has more to offer both parts of this island relations between britain and ireland and indeed any conflict zones in the world yes john Thank, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. We could still listen to you all day. And I know I asked you uh, in the last day or two for a choice of music, and you've come back with Paul Brady, The Island. So I'd ask people to listen to every word of it. I think uh, it is a, it's a song which is which is always, I've always felt emotional about. Um, despite, I have a very wide taste in music, and I too favourite Northern Ireland artists are, are Paul Brady and, and, and Van Morrison, but I think the words of this song should strike a chord with everybody in this island and urge people to listen to every single word and, and, and learn from it. It's a great favourite in our house too, John, I must say. Uh, Eddie's favourite uh, tune, so looking forward to hearing it again. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning and giving us such a very thorough appraisal of what's going on and what might be able to go on if things could be changed. Thank you so much, John. Well, thank you, and pass on my best wishes to your husband, who was a, <laughs> a, a great academic in, in Northern Ireland, and also in Limerick. He, he was, a, as you, a lecturer in both both Queen's University and, of course, in the University of Limerick, and he, he made very thoughtful contributions on, on, on Northern Ireland, and also in Europe over the years. Thank you. Thank you, John.
they say the skies of Lebanon are burning Those mighty cedars bleeding in the heat and They're showing pictures on the television Women and children dying in the street Now we're still at it in our own place Still trying to reach the future through the past Still trying to carve tomorrow from a tombstone But hey, don't listen to me Cause this wasn't meant to be no sad song We've heard too much of that before Right now I only wanna be here with you Till the morning dew comes falling I wanna take you to the island And trace your footprints in the sand and in the evening, when the sun goes down We'll make love to the sound of the ocean They're raising banners over by the markets Whitewashing slogans on the shipyard wall Witch doctors praying for a mighty showdown No way a holy flag is gonna fall Up here we sacrifice our children To feed them worn out dreams of yesterday And teach them dying will lead us into glory but hey, don't listen to me Cause this wasn't meant to be no sad song I've sung too much of that before Right now I only wanna be here with you Till the morning dew comes falling I wanna take you to the eye and trace your footprints in the sand And in the evening When there's no one around We make love to the sound of the ocean
plain folks don't see all the story and I know it's peace and love is just copping out I guess these young boys dying in the ditches is just what being free is all about how this twisted wreckage down on Main Street will bring us all together in the end we go marching down the road to freedom <laughs>